Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Brothers and sisters, welcome back to another session organized by Hizb Tahrir Australia. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Was salatu was salam ala Rasulillah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu. Tonight we're going to continue a topic that was started two weeks ago. Um, and talking about the lessons of Eid al-Adha. The irony, of course, is that this program was supposed to go to air last Wednesday. Uh, but unfortunately, under the most dire of circumstances, there was a more pressing matter that needed to be discussed. And it came at its time because there is no greater epitome of what symbolizes the essence of Eid al-Adha the aid of sacrifice and I always think to myself we're in studios here in Sydney Australia we're more broadly sitting in places of comfort and privilege um, and many many times we speak about the condition of the Muslim world and the condition of the Ummah and we're conscious of the place from which we speak um, and the message of Eid needs to resonate with all of us uh, and it needs to be relevant to the context in which we live. Yeah, we are 100% part of the Ummah. We are 100% connected to the Ummah. Its priorities are our priorities. Its, its, its pain is our pain. Its joy is our joy. And that's not just a symbolic rhetorical expression. That's real. We have to play our part in the West to further the interests of the Ummah, to advance its cause, to elevate its condition, wherever we are. And that's not unique to Muslims living in a particular country. That's an obligation upon us all. And so when the travesty of Beirut happened, um, and we decided to talk about it as a matter of priority, and this is going to be an ongoing conversation, the matter has not settled and will not settle for a long, long time, it reminded us of the true meaning of Eid, that we were going to come here in the studios after we enjoy our relatively blessed Eid, uh, kids who receive their Eid monies, um, who chase their lolly bags, um, who dress nicely in their new clothes, who have the luxury uh, to gather with friends and family, even in the age of COVID. Uh, but we have a very, very privileged experience of Eid. But that doesn't mean we necessarily have the best Eid. And it certainly doesn't mean that we, our experience of Eid encapsulates its essence. Uh, we don't have to draw a dichotomy here. It's not one or the other. But sometimes there is always the risk that we lose the meaning of Eid itself. And the funny thing about COVID is that as it did in the first Eid after Ramadan, and as it did with this Eid, Al-Adha, it forced us to really understand the essence of what Eid is supposed to represent. Because we weren't in a position anywhere to enjoy all the bells and whistles that normally accompany Eid. Uh, the big feasts, the big celebrations, thousands upon thousands of Muslims coming together for this purpose, the seeing of family and friends, the handing out of gifts of, of whatever kind. Uh, the beautiful atmosphere that we normally associate with Eid. Uh, we had to radically reassess our conception of Eid and reduce it to its essence. Everyone did whatever they could in whatever capacity they possessed 
to make Eid as special as every Eid before it. But when it came to it, we were forced to remember and prioritize the centrality of Eid itself. And on the Eid of the Adha, the question of sacrifice is a, a fundamental consideration, always center of this conversation. And the funny thing is, the sacrifices that we were asked to make of not necessarily being able to uh, shop around for all the new clothes that we would have liked or to have seen as many people as we normally would um, or to celebrate in a way that we normally celebrate. This was our sacrifice. But we're still alive. Uh, we're still healthy, alhamdulillah. Um, we still enjoy significant privileges. Uh, we don't live in a war-torn country. We don't live under the constant threat of bombardment. Um, we don't experience in any meaningful way relative to the rest of the world, the third world, um, food insecurity and things like that. And still, from, from the angle of many in the Muslim world, we had a great aid, a very lucky aid, a very fortunate one. And what we were asked to sacrifice uh, pales in comparison to what our brothers and sisters around the world sacrifice, not just on Eid, but sacrifice every single day. And the explosions in Beirut reminded us of this dark fact that it was a few days after Eid where we all celebrated and yet this enormity was thrust upon the Ummah um, in a way that no one could have imagined and it brought home the reality of uh, life's fragility uh, the insecurity that constantly pervades the Muslim lands um, the incompetence and criminality of the regimes that that oversee us and in fact force themselves upon us uh, the corruption, the chaos um, the, the sectarianism that has been so drastically inflamed that it burns everyone it touches. Um, this is what the Muslims in Beirut experience. This is what the Muslims more broadly in the Muslim world experience in many ways, and in some cases on even worse levels. And you've got to think to yourself, given that reality, have we in fact um, understood, appreciated the essence of Eid al-Adha? the notion of sacrifice um, or have we allowed ourselves to transform this day into something um, it should not be and could not be and will never be and that's a question we want to ponder the first conversation about Eid that happened two weeks ago touched upon many angles and it's something I advise all of us uh, to go back and to revisit um, it covers many angles because there are many conversations to be had around Eid. Tonight's conversation is going to be specifically about one point, which is given the context in which we live, and the context here is not just us living in, in the West, um, more broadly about how pervasive and how influential modernity is um, in the wider world. And that means there are certain conceptions about the world, there are certain views of looking at the world, and there are certain, ex certain experiences about the world that's built on that, that will inevitably 
uh, seep into our own existences, even as Muslims and as Muslim communities. We, we're not going to be immune to that. Um, and in many ways, I think Muslims in the West are uniquely placed um, to exemplify uh, the extent to which we can be influenced by key conceptions around modernity. And the central consideration that we'll be talking about today is how modernity centers the self. Um, and this can be expressed in many ways about the notion of individualism, the rise of individualism, um, the degradation of collectivism, the idea that what's most important is what is most important to me. My view about the world, my conception about the world, the priorities I set for myself in this world, my happiness, my needs, my priorities, etc. Um, and although this has deep ideological roots, that's not going to be the focus of our conversation tonight. What we are going to look at is the consequence of these ideals and how they seep into our lives. Because I stopped for a moment on Eid and I looked around and I thought, you know, sometimes you have uh, one of these light, you have these light bulb moments from time to time. And they always come because either we learn something new or we experience something new or we revisit what we've learned or what we've experienced and we see it differently. And so in many ways, uh, we, can, we can give an example of how Eid is different when I was a child and how Eid is now as a parent. And there are big differences. Um, how Eid was different when I am young, when I was young, compared to how Eid is now um, when we are not young anymore. Um, the difference when Eid, uh, the difference in Eid when we were single, for instance, as opposed to now who will be married. The difference when we may or may not have been practicing and now we are or are not. But these are experiences that alter our conceptions around Eid and our experiences around Eid. And so you have these eureka moments where for a long time we don't really appreciate how deeply influenced we are by our environment. Um, and in many ways we think, for instance, uh, look, let's get educated, let's get a job, uh, let's go to university, let's get a job, let's build a career, let's build a home, let's uh, own, own capital, own property. Uh, and by and large, that's pretty much the epitome of success. And you've got to stop for a moment and think, that can't be it. Uh, for many times we're told, aim for a point in your life where you set yourself up to be able to be comfortable. And that's in a material sense, that's in a physical sense, etc. We think, hold on a moment. That can't be the case. Something doesn't sit right with that. We have, for instance, the prolifer prol proliferation of <clears throat> uh, Islamic finance houses, for instance, where Muslims have been asked to tie themselves into a system for the next 20, 30 years. And yet, the Prophet wasallam, in many, many, many cases, uh, constantly made dua for us against the burden of debt. And in many aspects, the shara encourages us to avoid it, to do away with it, and it, it constantly reminds us of the negativity that should be associated with debt. And yet we've been asked very casually uh, to accept the notion that we should become indebted 
uh, without a second thought for the next 20, 30 years of our life. And there's something that just doesn't sit right with that. Um, in many ways, we're advised, uh, you know, when we're children and when we're at school and we're at university and other places in the, in the workplaces, aim to set yourself up such that you can get to a point of, of comfort. And it is primarily material comfort. Um, and we do for the large part, um, but often it comes at an expense. I think something just does not sit right with that. And then we have events like Eid. And Eid al-Adha specifically, and we're reminded of the cent central message of Eid, which is sacrifice. We think, okay, how can I, how can I tie this concept uh, to my reality? How can I take the lessons of Eid and shine it upon my own reality? And this is something we all need to be, to be asking very seriously. Because the argument is elevating the self, as modernity insists, effectively means that we position ourselves above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Your average Muslim is not going to take the conceptions of the self to that extent because clearly it's, it's an aqidah issue for us. But we're still going to allow ourselves to be affected by it, willingly or unwillingly, knowingly or unknowingly. Uh, but for the Qafar, that's precisely what it means. Their rejection of the church and its authority, their rejection of religious authority, and the argument that it is a construction designed to enslave us, and there are many arguments to that light, and many of modernity's greatest thinkers were deeply Christian, but they wanted to create a new religion for themselves. Uh, and this is what's been asked of us as Muslims. And in a simple way, we understand its influences over us when we start communicating ideas and, and living by ideals where we want to determine our own priorities. We want to prioritize our own needs. Uh, we want to, uh, for instance, we want to enshrine or frame our religion and our religious experiences around our own conceptions of right and wrong. Um, as if there is a moral conscience beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and many times we want to judge Islam. We want to position ourselves in a place where we become judge, a judge over Islam. And sometimes we think that doesn't sit right with us. We, we, we look at a particular ahkam or a fiqhi detail or uh, even central arguments of Islam, central tenets of Islam. We think, you know, that, that doesn't, I'm not really comfortable with that. Uh, or that doesn't really sit well with me. Or I'm sure there's another explanation for it. And the simplest, expl uh, the simplest example of this is uh, the, 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 the fundamental experience of Eid al-Adha. Where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his infinite wisdom commanded Ibrahim alayhi salam to sacrifice ultimately what was his greatest possession and what is the greatest possession of every parent. And that's their own children. And, uh, you know, in recent times, there's been a growing conversation, and it's predominantly Muslims in the West, not exclusively, but predominantly, where we start to take issue with that. How can God, a moral being, um, order something so inherently immoral? 
and we start to cast dispersions about it and we start to impart our own judgments over it. Like how can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala order a father to kill his own son as an, as an evidence of his devotion to God? And the question itself is troubling. Um, and then for Muslims who are genuine about it, they can't uh, take positions where they go directly against the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or, tr- or seek to challenge something that is so uh, so concrete and so unequivocal in the Qur'an um, and then they seek to provide alternative explanations but there's very little scholarly basis for it as if the matter is so open and contentious that it hasn't been resolved from the very inception of Islam and yet here we are today after 1400 years thinking we know better than all the Muslim generations before us especially the generation of the Prophet and the companions and the Tabi'een and all the classical scholars and all of a sudden no one was able to see what we see clearly which is there is or should be a problem with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala order us to sacrifice our children this is a problem it's not just it doesn't sit right with us this is a real problem but this is just an example of how we elevate the self above all else and the self here means our own perspectives on things, our own moral judgments about things, our own conscience above that which is dictated by, by the shara itself. Um, and if we're not bold enough, and no one should be, but if, and if we're not bold enough to challenge directly what is clear in the Qur'an, then at bare minimum we seek alternative explanations, even if those explanations don't have any grounding. But what's happening here is we are getting things... Uh, upside down we are looking at religion in the wrong way and we are experiencing religion in the wrong way it's not for us to determine um, our own moral compass our own moral sensibilities no that's the role of Islam that's the role of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to tell us what's good and bad what's right and wrong um, and it's the role of us as humans as creations of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to frame our moral sensibilities around Islam itself. So it has to go in that direction, not the opposite. And the thing with the, thing with the story of Eid is that, and, the, and this is really the funny thing, Ibrahim salam was asked to make one of the greatest sacrifices. And we know his, salam, his salam's, uh, story where he was, he longed for a child. Um, and would love nothing more than a child. And he, he tried for so many years until he got to a very old age, and his first wife could not bear him a child. And yet, a child came through a second wife after a very long time of trying. And as an infant, after all that experience, and 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 reports by a large state that Ibrahim salam at that time was roughly in his eighties. And at that point in his life, Allah subhanahu wa taala blessed him with a child. And under those conditions, Ibrahim was asked to make the ultimate sacrifice. And of course, as the story goes, there was no contention about that whatsoever. Allah knows best. What is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking of us today? Such that we can take so, so much offense to the story of Eid al-Adha. You know, if Allah subhanahu wa asks us to take our left arm or take our right arm, in principle, we shouldn't be opposed to it. But at the very least, you could understand that Allah is asking something great of us and we would stop and question that. 
But what is, he, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asking of us? What is it that we enjoy in this world, particularly our reality here in the West? What is it that we've been asked to sacrifice? A bit of time, a bit of effort, um, a bit of commitment, um, bashing the self and not allowing the ego to reign free? But what is it that we've been asked such that we find the conception of sacrifice so burdensome? And the thing is, if you ask this question to Muslims in Beirut or Muslims in Afghanistan and Muslims in Iraq and Muslims all over the place and you ask them what has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked of them to sacrifice, okay, you get a real response. And this is not the lesson the experience of any Muslim in the East or the West. But the reality is we've been asked to sacrifice so much less and yet in many ways we find it difficult both conceptually and both in reality to do so. And we know this when, for instance, if Islam is not the priority in our life, if the ummah is not our priority, the concerns of the ummah are not our priority in life, if we prioritize our own needs as Muslims in the West, as a minority uh, a tiny minority of the entire Muslim population. Uh, we become comfortable with uh, policy, government policies that elevate the condition of Muslims at the West, but at the expense of Muslims in the Muslim world. This is going to be a problem. This is going to be a serious problem. But even still, what is it exactly that we've been asked to sacrifice? And the thing is, we're not being asked to be patient over the loss of our loved ones because of uh, war and conflict. We're not being asked to remain patient uh, over the loss of loved ones because of poverty um, and food insecurity. Um, we've been not, we're not asked to be patient over uh, the fact that we have to dispossess ourselves of all our possessions and migrate across vast territories in order to seek security. What have, been, what have we been asked to sacrifice? It's just some of the privileges that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us that we find ourselves in because of, given where we are. No more, no less. So we're not being asked to sacrifice in terms of losses. We've been asked to sacrifice in terms of um, apportioning some of the privileges, the enormous privileges that we have been afforded. That's what we've been asked to sacrifice. And in this way, we think, okay, how can we tie the conception of sacrifice as encapsulated in, this, in, in, the, in the message of Eid to our own existence? And this means in its essence that we should be centering Islam in our life, challenging modern conceptions about, what, about purpose, about existence, Centering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our life, centering Islam in our life, uh, focusing on a set of priorities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed over us. And that is not the, uh, the chasing of material wealth. That is not the chasing of all other forms of wealth, health and, and, and time and, and everything else that goes with it. But about reassessing our conditions such that we center what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants of us. At best, it's probably just a minor inconvenience. At worst, uh, we're going to have to challenge head on 
modern conceptions of life and how it plays out in the real world. Um, but even still, it pales in comparison uh, to what Muslims in the Muslim world experience. Now, no one should walk away from this and say, hey, why am I belittling the experiences of Muslims in the West? I'm not. I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm showing us a set of perspectives where we realize the real essence of Eid al-Adha. That we live a life as, it, as it's lived in the West, where the self is, is centered, where the ego is centered, where our own needs, our own priorities, our own perspectives, our own happiness is centered above all else. But we know life doesn't always work that way. And we try to reach compromise. But at the very least, the issue of ourself is at such a high priority on the scale um, that by and large it overrides most other considerations most of the time. And Islam came to push that back down. The story of sacrifice in Eid al-Adha came to push that back down. That no, what's most important is not our own perspectives, our own moral judgments, uh, our own uh, moral sensibilities. No, what's most important is not our own material comfort, not our health, not our wealth. That if we're living a life where we prioritize all these things, such that we're not prepared to invest time for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, invest wealth for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make sacrifices for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even if he asks of us that which is most important to us. Because we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us, and the Prophet reminds us that we are going to be tested with those things we love the most. And we should be ready for that. We should be ready to respond in the way that Ibrahim salam responded, in the way that Ismail responded miraculously at that time. Whatever is asked of us, accept it as part and parcel of life. And this is where the story needs to go. That we know in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa reminds us, for instance, where it's said in one, in one reference, that do we think that we'll be, uh, we'll be left to say we believe without being tested? And surely we tested those who came before us. In the other references, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is explicit about the ways in which we're going to be tested with our wealth, with our health, with our family, etc. And if we understand that as a Muslim, that life is a test, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to test us, that ultimately we are going to be, going to be accountable on the day of judgment based on how we have responded to those tests. So of the things that we've been asked to sacrifice, have we willingly, diligently, or have we prioritized something else in our lives? And these are important questions. Um, simple references like the advice of the Prophet ﷺ, where we are promised a house in Jannah if we forego an argument, even if we are right. We let the argument go for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though we know we're right. But if we're going to elevate the self and center it, no, me being right is the most important thing. Me getting one up over the next person is the most important thing. Me proving I am right, me uh, preserving my standing, etc., etc. These are uh, the conceptions that will seep into our existence. And yet the Prophet is telling us the exact opposite. Let it go. 
What's most like the, the objective here is not to destroy your opponent. The objective here is not uh, to to worship your ego such that you need to be right every time. The matter is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He will see your sacrifices. He will see you walking away for the sake of humility and for the sake of preserving uh, your brother or sister to which you with which you are engaging. And he will not forget that. And the greatest reward will come not in this life but in the next. Simple things. The fact that we've been promised uh, palaces in Jannah if, if we build masjids on this earth um, and so many other references. Simple, simple, basic um, aqidah considerations like uh, the hadith of the Prophet where we are advised that the road to Jannah is paved with difficulties and the road to Jahannam is passed with uh, the easy and the good things that we like. And if we just stop for a moment and think about that, uh, we think the basic setup of life is such that things are going to be difficult or should be difficult and we should expect that. So if we're aiming for comfort, we're not going to find it. If we're aiming for wealth, we're not going to see, we're not going to secure it. If we're aiming for um, eternal existence, it's just not going to happen. If we're aiming for a, a life where it's uh, void of worry, of difficulty, we're not going to find it. If we just want to be left alone in the world, we're not going to find it. Um, all of these things that the West sells to us, that modernity sells to us, goes against the essence of human life, the essence of human existence. And so this, the concept of sacrifice is so fundamental to our existence and the, the, the lesson of Eid al-Adha around sacrifice is so central to this message that we need to, if necessary, radically re-alter how we choose to engage with the world, how we choose to seek, how we choose to see the world. And if we're aiming for something other than what um, is the essence of life, of trouble, difficulty, sacrifice, commitment, uh, selflessness, and that's the other coin, that elevating the self um, in many ways is just one side of the, the selfish coin. Call it selfishness, call it narcissism, call it egoism, whatever you call it, the result is the same. Even if you pretend to cover it with something else, even if you aim to describe it in different ways, it's the same thing. And the Islamic message of sacrifice teaches us that in fact selfishness is not how life should be lived, but selflessness is the mode by which we should live our life. So this idea of sacrifice, as exemplified in the story of Eid al-Adha, through the life of Ibrahim and Ismail alayhum salam, uh, this is the, na the, the, the nature of life. The thing is, sometimes it's just difficult to, to identify. We've lived lives in times where everything is upside down that the natural order of things has become so disturbed uh, that it's difficult for us to actually see it so for instance we have governments that we've only ever known to be self-serving corporations that we've only ever known to be exploitative uh, environments that we've only ever known to be constantly under threat um, societies that we've only ever known to be um, 
entirely individualistic in its outlook. Um, egos that have only ever been worshipped, not subdued, not put in their place. In any way we look at it, everything points to the opposite of how the world should be. The world at the moment has placed the individual at its center, whereas for a Muslim, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be at its core. The shara should be at its core. The essence, the message, the beauty of Islam should be at its core. And we should be all revolving around that. All of us, without exception. And if we take this simple lesson of the notion of sacrifice, of the story of Eid, we will fundamentally reconsider our place in this world. We'll know our proper place. Uh, and that's why in many ways we think, why the difficulties in this world? You can't find happiness in a workplace. You can't find happiness in marriage. You can't find happiness in relationships. Friends are fighting. Families are fighting. Uh, companies are fighting. Uh, governments are fighting. Like everyone is fighting. There's conflict everywhere you look. And it's in no small part to the fact, uh, due to the fact uh, that we've just exceeded the bounds that have been set for us by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Selfishness versus selflessness. Uh, worshipping the ego versus worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This great sense of entitlement that comes when you worship your ego as opposed to the humility that comes by worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The selfishness versus the sacrifice. Uh, the, the commitment to one another versus um, always doing it for yourself. These are the, the ideals to which we should be aspiring. These are the difficult uh, and troubling conceptions that we need to challenge in order to bring about the correct Islamic conceptions about these things. This is one of the most important lessons of Eid. And I hope, inshallah, that we are in a position by Allah's grace to encapsulate the essence of what this Eid is about. Allah will choose how he seeks, how he decides to test us. And our reality today is such that what's been asked of us simply is just to tone down our privileges. Just to sacrifice a portion of it. Whereas Muslims in so many other places have been asked for so much greater and of course their reward is going to be so much greater and more than that, the change that the Ummah will experience will necessarily be through their hands, not those who would just um, casually sniding from the sidelines. Uh, we need to appreciate that. The lessons of Eid are profound, they are deep, and they should correctly be a fundamental part of our everyday life, not just a story that we tell each other and we tell our children once a year, but it is a mode of existence that is so central to us being Muslim. I pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the tawfiq in order to live by the ideals that is set for us, that is expected of us, and that humanity so desperately needs from us. Jazakallah khairan for tuning in again. Until next time, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.